Before we embark on today's episode, we want to provide a gentle heads up that our conversation may touch on sensitive and emotional topics. Our guest today, Jemima, will be sharing personal experiences that include her partner's battle with cancer, the emotional journey of experiencing a miscarriage, and navigating through a traumatic birth. We acknowledge that these subjects can be intense and may resonate deeply with some of our listeners. If you or someone you know might find these discussions triggering, we encourage you to approach this episode with care or perhaps consider listening at a time that feels right for you. Our intention is to create a safe space for open and honest conversations, but we also recognize the importance of prioritizing your well-being. If you need to skip this episode or take a break at any point, please do what feels right for you. Thank you for your understanding. Now let's join Jemima Gleason on this journey of resilience and strength. Hello and welcome. I am your host, Kirsty, and this is Leadership Odysseys. We are embarking on a mission to bridge the gap between aspiration and reality, offering a raw and unfiltered exploration of the behind the scenes challenges that shape true leadership. Join us as we share stories of resilience, turning points, and authentic human experiences that remind us greatness is a product of the entire odyssey, not just the destination. Welcome to Leadership Odysseys, where we embark on inspiring journeys with exceptional leaders, innovators, and change makers. Today, I have the privilege of introducing a remarkable guest, Jemima Gleason. With over 15 years of experience as a business owner and entrepreneur, Jemima has been the helm of Glee Coffee Roasters, witnessing its growth and evolution in the dynamic hospitality industry. Currently, she's also serving as a coach and mentor in the New South Wales Police Force, lending her expertise and leadership insights. Jemima isn't just an industry veteran, she's also a podcast host. Her show, Seriously Caffeinated, offers candid conversations and real talk about navigating the diverse facets of life and business, drawing from her wealth of experiences. Furthermore, Jemima's commitment to continuous growth has led her to pursue studies in leadership. She's not only an engaging speaker, but also a skilled mentor and coach, extending her guidance across various sectors, including private enterprise and government. Her captivating stories, genuine advice and remarkable journey as an entrepreneur and multifaceted leader are sure to inspire, entertain and provide valuable insights. So join us as we dive into her enriching odyssey, discovering the lessons the challenges and the triumphs that have shaped her into the accomplished leader she is today. 
Welcome, Jem, to the podcast. Hey, so good to be here. Thank you for having me. No, thank you for coming on. And we really do need to tell the audience how we met. <laughs> I was hoping you would start there. Oh. It's it's undoubtedly the worst, like you look the worst in this moment. And it's when you're at the hairdresser, we're sitting in co-chairs next to each other. And Holly, because we let shout out to yeah, Sharp Yeah, big and shout out to Sharp and Stylish. Uh, very, very good. But yeah, she was like, you guys were you guys would hit it off and we started chatting and it was so good so absolutely nothing like having foils in the hair sitting there and really getting to know each other and yeah swapping phone numbers and having great conversations (laughs) afterwards so good and I was just I thought man this woman is incredible so it's a real privilege for me to be here so thank you so much for asking me to come and chat today and vice versa (laughs) in getting to know your story and you know another woman that has had you know multiple challenges but that real you know intrigue journey between entrepreneurship and also career and so much (laughs) of life in general outside of that as well I honestly it is an absolute privilege to have you on the podcast and I can't wait to dive into your story today (laughs) so we are sitting here in your podcast studio we are yes which is an incredible setup it's really great like I said you know in our discussion beforehand my husband is such a tech nerd and he absolutely loves gear he's a gear guy as well as a creative himself so yeah I do get the privilege of working in this beautiful space and podcasting out of this space with my co-host Hannah every week which we really love and it's it's really challenging but uh, you know here we are right here we are well it's a fantastic setup and great that we're you know very similar in that regards in having hubbies that like to be the the tech expertise behind the (laughs) scenes of our crazy adventures (laughs) I I find it really inspiring with him because he has this um, propensity to continue learning and I do as well but in very different spaces so when he's he's constantly on YouTube he's constantly you know finding out about latest gear finding out about latest technology and I'm like oh my gosh like I give me a leadership book and I'll eat it up and and that with other stuff I'm like oh no technology scares me a little bit to be honest focus on the strengths that's <laughs> yeah, the that's main right. thing that's my lane my lane I know <laughs> <it>. <laughs> well we are here to hear all about your story so I am going to dive straight into that and really go where did your journey begin like who is Jem? <laughs> Well, like you said, as as a female like leader, it's for me the journey has been really different and unusual over the years. So in business, we've been going for about fifteen years or so now, Glee Coffee, and that has been such a steep learning curve. And along the way, I've kind of served in so many different areas in the business. So I think I've done literally every job in our business at one stage or another. It's part of being a business owner. I have have been in the kitchen, in the cafe. I have been behind the coffee machine. I've roasted coffee. I have done accounts, bookkeeping, all of this stuff. I've done everything, I think, except maybe the tech. I, I haven't done machine servicing, but that's the only area. Otherwise, it's, yeah, I've kind of worn all the hats, as you do in small business, right? You absolutely do. Yeah. I think that's the, it's like a... Oh, a love-hate relationship with it all because, you know, you are playing in so many roles that you probably normally wouldn't play in, but to know the ins and outs and build that skill set in everything actually yeah. helps build that passion and that drive for, yeah. for that future growth as well. Absolutely. You know, for us, starting in the coffee industry was 
that conversation goes all the way back to being really early married. So my husband and I have been married for 21 years, almost 22 years, and we were newlyweds and he was working actually at Singapore Airlines, just in the head office in Sydney and doing the big commute and it was just brutal and he didn't love the job. And so we had this, I would call it a pivotal conversation where he rang me at his lunch break and he's like, oh, I'm just miserable, I don't love this. And and I said, well, what do you want to do? Like, what do you care about? What are you passionate about? And he said, oh, well, I'm really interested in coffee, which at the time, the coffee industry has become this incredible, well-known, like, niche and very successful thing now. But 15, 20 years ago, it was still the beginning of the third wave of coffee. Oh, absolutely There was, was specialty, but it was only burgeoning it was just growing and so if someone says to you I want to be in coffee you're sort of like so you want to work in a cafe like is that what we're talking about and and I just was like for me it didn't matter I it really affected me that he was not happy that he was in a lane that he didn't love that he wasn't getting fulfillment out of and I just said listen like I it doesn't I'd prefer you to be happy than for you to be working in a job you hate right and because of that, he just was like, oh, well, I'll have a look and see what's out there. He ended up going on and doing his training through Toby's Estate Coffee and he was national training there eventually and, and doing quite well. But then the idea, it was, again, one of those pivotal conversations where, you know, he said, I think I want to start my own business. And I was like, let's do it. So for me, I guess the Glee Coffee journey has been very much supportive it's been a role of support for a dream that my husband really had and his brother they went in together and providing the opportunity for him to do something that he really enjoyed and that's not that I didn't haven't enjoyed it or I've absolutely loved it it's been it's been an incredible training ground for me as a leader and and being able to build something that's so significant in our area is so special but at the time it was really just it started because I wanted him to do something he loved. I didn't want him to be doing something he didn't enjoy. And that was a big part of it for me. And isn't it inspiring to know that in your 20s that you're kind of going on that evolution? (laughs) And, oh, gosh, I think back on my own life and I go, my 20s, I was prepared to risk anything and everything and really dive into going, oh, it doesn't matter if we've got nothing. Like we'll go and find whatever's the cheapest thing at Coles and and make that purchase to, to be able to put into our businesses or our careers or everything else around us and to be able to build up. And I think that is a really important message to be able to tell our next gen too is that in your 20s give everything a go have a go at it I think back now because being in my 40s now I'm like I can't believe that we did some of the things that we did like we were we were crazy (laughs) and I wouldn't change it for a second but I think man that just that courage and bravery that you have when you're young knowing that you've got the time that if something goes wrong that's okay I would still say that I have that 100% I still have that but then you have more to lose the older that you get the more you've built something when you take a risk it's got to be more calculated and that's what I've learned as well there's been times throughout the business journey where I've been like yeah let's just have a go at it and then if it's not gone well it's there's far more at stake and so I've wisened like a wise old owl as it were (laughs) but at the same time I will never I'll never forget just the just the yeah let's have a crack at it and for business owners and entrepreneurs it's just this incredible space isn't it because you do it's it's I talked about it in my podcast 
that if you have the desire to do business or if you have an idea in you, that thing is going to burn and burn and burn. It's never going to go. When I meet entrepreneurs who are working maybe for other people, there's this sense of they might be happy, but they will always want to do their own thing. And so I just sort of say, hey, figure it out and have a crack at it. Like, And if it doesn't work, that's okay. The lessons of it not working are some of the (laughs) best lessons you can actually get in life because you gave it a go, you got new skills, you realise what doesn't work and therefore you're already one step ahead. Yeah, absolutely. And there's always going to be that. You know, you read any leader's story, any business owner's story, there is going to be an element of trial and error in it. And I I I don't love that there's this sense that we have to have it all together or if we try something, it must be successful. There has to be a safety to try and fail because it's in that failing sometimes that you just you learn you do you learn the greatest lessons like you said for me one of the one of the things that we did that didn't work it was expensive and really painful absolutely forged in me some leadership stuff that had not I don't believe I would have gotten if I hadn't done that hadn't gone through that even that sense of humility and that sense of okay, well, now I have to face this That's right. and be okay and be okay with people maybe judging me or and, and being able to go, well, that's not who I am. I'm not defined by either my successes or my failures, that there's so much more to us than just those things. And for me as a leader, that's just core, core to my identity that all of this stuff is temporary. It's all going to come and go. Whatever role, whatever hat I'm wearing, whatever business I'm in, I have to know that I matter because of who I am as a human being, because of the investment that I put into other people or the well, however I grow people rather than it being like, this is my title, this is my job and these are the things I've done well. Yeah. All of that's going to go one day. It's all, it's all just for now, right? That's exactly right. So you started Glee Coffee. Yes. Yes. So <laughs> can we go back to the beginning stage yeah. of Glee Coffee? Was it where you are today was it yeah what was that beginning step (laughs) it's funny because it became glee coffee a couple of years after my husband moved into doing his own thing so he had that i want to do my own business but we actually started as a barista training school called the barista academy and so he'd been doing a lot of training through Toby's estate, as I said. And so we literally had a coffee school in our garage. We lived in Berkeley Vale <laughs> that we would, you know, essentially just train people how to make coffee. And then we began to get more sort of work doing events. So we were popping up kind of cafe pop-ups at events and stuff in the early, early days. And then through sort of mutual relationships in the coffee industry, the roastery became a dream and it was a very, very small at the time. So we had a tiny little five kilo coffee roaster and it is tiny. It is. That was, it was so small. It was, and then we were just like, let's, you know, let's call it Glee after Gleason. That's where the Glee comes from. Glee coffee roasters. And, and we were just in this little factory bay in Tugra kind of, hoping that someone would trust us with supplying them coffee. And and it was hard work. It was so difficult. Just Ben and his brother going out and trying to sort of say to people like, hey, we're local, we're a local coffee roaster in, on the Central Coast. There was nothing here. Specialty coffee had not made it here yet. So we were absolutely breaking ground as far as that was concerned. Absolutely, it was in all of the capital cities, but in the regional areas, definitely not. And so just be sort of saying to people like, hey, 
you know, give us give us this opportunity and this is a great product. And, and Ben was has always been an excellent roaster. He's gone on and won lots of prizes and he's, you know, he's an international coffee judge and all of that has come. But it really was a lot of you have to back yourself. He had to back himself. We had to believe in our in what we were doing, but it was not easy. It yeah. was so challenging. That self-talk oh, is man. critical. <laughs> yeah, it is. Really, really critical. So how did you continue pushing through that and being able to, to take that big leap in? Cause you, you moved into cafes yourself we as well. It's And it's funny because it was always kind of a – it was a dream for us to have our own space, even way before – we had Glee Coffee before we were doing barista training, before Ben was in even interested in coffee. He'd always wanted to be an entrepreneur in that hospo kind of space. And so we'd talked about maybe having a little cafe someday when we were like 19 years old, <laughs> newlyweds, right? And, and so when we opened the roastery, we had an opportunity to move from a really small factory bay to a slightly bigger one. And then at that point we were like, maybe we could just put a little like – espresso machine on the bench totally illegal by the way (laughs) maybe we can just and then you know sell coffee out of there and just for people to be able to try our product made by us and that was actually for even though it was just this again creating a business on a shoestring was we had no money we were just having a crack at it but I think that's a that's a key point yeah when you're starting a business it all looks like people put a lot of money in and, and some do, they absolutely do. Mm. But in a lot of circumstances, it's actually building it as you go along. It's 100%. finding that smaller cash flow to just reinvest back into the business to then get the next piece of equipment to, absolutely. to pay the rent, you know, all those critical components when you, you are just starting out versus, you know, putting a whole heap of money down and, and just going with it right from the beginning. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's kind of the fun of it too for us, like even at that time in our lives and, you know, yeah, we were in our 20s and we were just kind of like, well, this is what we've got. This is what's in our hand. This is how much money we've got. So let's just have a go at it. I was working. So I went into full-time work in order to enable that business to start. So it was kind of like we swapped roles in our home. And that was a very, very important move that I made. And I just had our second child when we sort of, he left Toby's estate. And so there was almost this kind of it was sacrificial for me in that I basically, well, and for him, because I handed him like a four month old baby and said, here you go, I'm now going to full-time work and you have to do, start a business and raise the child, right? I can't, like it's <laughs> sitting here and hearing your story, it just resonates with me so much because we're exactly the same in yeah. our household. And, and I suppose a lot of it comes down to you've got this business and you're so passionate about this business that you're creating, mm. but creation takes time. Yeah, and that time comes with, you know, that financial element of, you know, a lot of people. And, and mm. I'm assuming you are in this in this bucket, as yeah. were we, you're not actually taking an income from this business you're creating oh, because yeah. every dollar you want reinvested back in is a long-term play. It's not a short-term win. 100%. And that was absolutely the early years. And and in fact, probably went for too long. It, it's funny if you're in business and listening to this, and this would be familiar for you as well, where your business goes through multiple iterations of growth. And that transition from being like grassroots, like up, everyone's like in up from your bootstraps kind of vibe, like all in together to growing into something that's no longer a small business or is becoming, oh, hang on, 
no, we can draw a wage now. For me, that was a very big mind shift because it was almost like, again, coming back to that identity stuff, like there was, I had a strong sense of identity in that, oh, we work hard and we don't get paid a lot. And that's just how you are as a small business owner. And I remember a few people challenging me on that and saying, no, like if you're not paying yourself, you're not successful. Like you have to be able to get to that point. And I found it so difficult. And then even as we grew more and we had this incredible team around us that were doing all different jobs and it kind of freed us to work on different parts of the business, which is really important, as you know, but then being able to go, oh, now I don't have to be so bodily present doing all the jobs anymore. And even that being, it was like a sense of pride for me, like, oh, well, I work 60 hours a week and, you know, and that's okay, like just putting it, you know, to being now you have to be okay that you don't have to work yourself to death and that's not a point of pride to say to people. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense. And being comfortable with that. It is. It's untraining our brain to a certain degree. I I had a kinesiology session probably a few months ago and I I know a big component of my whole career, like whether it's our own business, whether it has been through my career, is just that go, go, go the whole entire time. And it can be full on for Mm. a lot of people. That's part of who I am. But learning to, to actually be able to pull that back as well and a lot of it does start from you know your grassroots and you think back over your early stages of career where you you would just be prepared to roll up your sleeves and put everything into it there's no saying no you say yes to every opportunity Mm -hmm. and you give it a go and you wouldn't change that for the world but yes learning to take that ability to go oh that success is about paying yourself in your own business and to enjoy it right to enjoy the success that you've worked really hard for absolutely and then to kind of Again, there's so much, I, I don't know, those inner monologues, those the rhetorics that we hear. I often talk to cafe owners. It's really funny because it used to really frustrate me when I would be working in the cafe and I'll get to that part of the story. I'd be working in the cafe and I would sit down for 10 minutes to pay a bill and someone would walk in a regular and they're just trying to have fun with you. But they're like, oh, it must be nice owning a cafe. You can just sit around on your computer. And I'm like, <laughs> I... I'm going to just say, oh, you're absolutely right. But on the inside, I'm fuming because I've been up since 4 a.m. I'm going to work 50 hours this week. I'm on my feet. At the time, Ben was really unwell. And so it's just this sense that, perspective oh, in life and, yeah. and people taking a judgment look yeah at that they're point. like oh it's easy running a cafes and it's like I'm glad that you think it's easy that means I'm doing it well absolutely <laughs> um, yeah however it's not so easy and it requires a lot of us because you're poor anything that you do that has a every business has a people element right definitely there is this sense of that you are pouring yourself out and you are constantly bringing the culture into a line with your values and that is hard work especially when you've got people working for you and you have to be consistently conveying that message of what's important to you and to what you're building because you know you can businesses have lots of different values there's lots of different things that can be important to you but for us it was always like service people a great product obviously excellence in all of those areas and you have to fight for that stuff you do and a lot of that starts with your own personal energy that you're That's bringing right. in. And, and I think hospitality especially, it's the, you know, walking in and, and being able to go, it doesn't matter what you're feeling on the inside, what's happening in your personal mm. life as well. Yep. It being able to walk in with that bigger smile on your face because mm-hmm. that is then going to then flow on to everyone else. It's so important. We've all walked into a cafe where we felt like, oh, they don't, they're not happy to see me. 
they don't want me here or they're just too busy and they're like, yeah, can I help you? Like, like, and any one of us can have a bad day. Like I totally understand it's no judgment, but it's one of those things that I think for us, we really, especially in the early days, we really fought for that sense of valuing people that, that came in, that they chose us. Mm. Like why choose me when there is another cafe right down the road? Like I, I just always kind of tried to communicate that to our team that, hey, the fact that they've come here instead of going there, we respect that. We honour that. You know, we make sure that they have that, that five minutes that they're escaping their day, maybe from a job they don't like or a really hard time at home or whatever. They're getting that sense of joy and to handle that, to handle that five-minute interaction with care and dignity, so important to me from a values perspective. And we just really fought for it, really yeah. fought for it. It's a very powerful message to be able to send out there because it really is. Like coffee is part of most people's everyday life. It's, yeah. <laughs> and the connections that you're, you know, it is an industry yeah. that's built off connection. Absolutely. And you, and that's the thing we have to fight for in a world that is becoming less connected or more or less authentic in the forms of connection that we have. Those still, you know, that little cup of joy, that five minute cup of joy that you have with somebody. Oh man, that's, it is, it's where the magic happens. And that's why I'm still after all these years, so passionate about hospitality, even while I work in other spaces and I do leadership things in other places, it's, that's something that I just absolutely remember and never want to lose sight of. No, you never do. It, it really is. And so tell me about that, you know, whole experience of connection and the cafes and your why mm. behind that. How did you really drive that with your team? Like how did you drive that sense of purpose? Yeah, it's funny because culture is never set and forget, right? It's this continual displaying a set of behaviors and talking in a certain way. So for us, it always comes down to the language that we've used. So if we, we would, it was always really important to me not to speak badly about people in any way. And that is still something that's really important to me now. So whether it be um, someone you work with, a boss, a leader, a customer, like just having that discipline around the way that you talk about people, that if they're having a hard time, you rather than going, oh, that person, like, I can't believe they treated me like that, just going, man, they're having a tough day. That's right. They might be having the worst day of their life. And in the, I work in a really serious space now and I've been able to hone that compassion even more because that, that's the truth of it. So just catching, you know, you have these opportunities to, to be offended or to be hurt by people or to take things personally without understanding that there is an entire life and story going on for that person. That's right. That really matters. And so just understanding that, that kindness is free. This is something that you can absolutely just give to people and make their their day better. And I'm not saying that I've perfected it, you know, but it was inside of our cafe space. That was something that was really important. I'm like, we don't talk about customers in a negative way. We definitely don't talk about one another in a negative way and gossip. And if there's a problem, like you have to come to one another and, and sort it out in a healthy kind of manner because that stuff just ruins culture. Absolutely And the thing is, is you feel it when you walk in. You do. If there is an unhealthy culture, especially in a hospitality space, you can feel it the moment you walk through the door. Yeah, well, it sounds like you created something pretty special <laughs> and, and really stuck true to your values, which is, you know, the, the biggest lesson in life for all of us is to, no matter what decisions we're making, does it resonate? Does it make sense? Yeah, and is absolutely. it purposeful for us to, to continue on that journey? So 
Glee Coffees, you've got your cafes, you've, mm. you know, really started to build momentum with the business. You made a decision to also step into the career space. Yeah, that's right. I spent, like I said, at the start of our journey, I spent sort of about seven years at the beginning of our business being the main sort of breadwinner in our household. So I had a full-time job and I was actually working at Centrelink as a call taker. So I was in a call center working and just kind of all day long talking to people, which I actually love that space. And then I made the decision to come into the business and I spent seven years in all those different roles. The opportunity came up and it was actually at the end of a really difficult time in our business where I just felt like I'm tired, you know, I'm tired. I don't know that I've got the steam for the next season. And it was a really, really challenging way to feel. I didn't like it. It was hard for our family and all of that because I just thought, I just, I don't know if I can do this anymore. There was a few things that happened in the people space that we'd had some people come and go from our business and it had been very painful. And so I just felt like I was alone and I felt almost on the, basically on the edge of burnout. And so that's a common place to be. I think when you're in small business and you've been digging in and working really hard, we'd gone through a few really tough personal things over the years leading into that as well. So I just think that I'd run out of my gigantic capacity bucket and it is huge. Like I'm super <laughs> high capacity had just emptied and I hadn't refilled it. And so the opportunity came for me to work inside of, again of a government organization and at a sort of leadership level. And I thought I might just have a go at it. I didn't think I would get the job. I just thought that's a cool opportunity. That could be really good for me. And, and I, I got the job surprised. I was surprised that I got it. Why were you surprised? Uh, it's the classic female underestimating themselves. Does that make sense? Like it does. We, it's so, sometimes we just, it's funny, my, one of my bosses always says, if you've got a job description and you show it to a male or a female, right, the male will look at the job description, read it through, be able to do three things on the list and be like, I should apply for that. Whereas the female will read that same job description and say, I can't do one of those things, I shouldn't apply. And it's such a... <laughs> it's a very, very true statement. <laughs> yeah, because we always go, well, this is why. And and I don't want to reduce that entirely to gender, of course. But no. I think that we're just, we're so much less comfortable, I guess, backing ourselves. We, we're, we're, I think it's, this, I don't know, it might be humility. It might be false humility. It could be something terrible, right? But at the same time, there's this sense that, oh, I hope, I believe I can do something, but I hope that it's not just me thinking that I can do something that I can't for me being in a space that I don't believe that I've earned is is really confronting and so I'm I will go to the other side of it before I I would defer rather than lean in I've learned to overcome that over the years and just to be confident with the skills I have and and to lean into certain things that I should but it takes courage and as a female for me, I just have found that to be really challenging. But I did think, oh gosh, I probably won't get it. But I hoped I would. I thought, man, I think I did really well in the interview. I said all the right things and, you know, I believe I can do it. But then there was that still that nagging thing of maybe they're going to employ me and then they're going to say, 
why did we hire her? (laughs) And that was my greatest fear. Do you feel any of that is part of the mix in your career path as well? Because I would see that as a really positive of like you've got this entrepreneur spirit of filled with creativity and then Mm. you've also got this career journey that you have gone on. Yeah, I think so because when even though, you know, like we've sort of said, those hard times can be like build such great qualities in us. In fact, I would say characters formed in the hard times. Absolutely, that is agree with you. <laughs> and, and a lot of the lessons you learn in those times, you cannot learn them any other way. But when you've taken a few hits to your confidence, it can be really difficult to see yourself at the value that you have because you see the bumps, right? You see the you see the damage on the vehicle, like, oh, well, there's that scrape there. And you're like, but that's just like, that's still super valuable. It doesn't matter that you've gone through this thing. It doesn't decrease your value. It increases it. It sure does. But you don't necessarily think about it in that way because you think, well, if I've failed, then I'm no good. Or if this has happened or these people have said this about me or they think this, well, then maybe they're right. And we're so much more comfortable receiving the negative stuff and saying, oh yeah, okay, that's who I am rather than receiving the myriad of positive voices in our lives that say, no, you should go for it. You know, just like I have really supported my husband, he has been my greatest fan. He has been my greatest support over many years of leadership and and different spaces that I've gone into because he will say, when I don't feel like I can do it, he will say, of course you can. Like, and remind me of who I really am. And it's critical to have those voices in our world. And I have that in him, which I'm so grateful for. But I have a couple of really good friends that will say, hey, no, I see you. And when others don't, and when I don't, you need those things. You need those people. And I think that is absolutely critical for all of us to at least have that one person where that relationship and that could be a partner that could be a friend that could be Mm. a work colleague but someone that truly does believe in you yeah and they believe in you even when you totally mess up because they know why you did it and they know the purpose and the values and everything that went behind it Um, but there is that ability of innate trust Mm. that goes with that that is so encouraging yeah, to and just live life. Absolutely. And it's funny because that trust, I guess, is is built not only in those spaces where they go, hey, no, you can do this, but in those spaces where they've got the courage to be honest with you about things that are not great in you. Absolutely. And that's for me where, where some of the greatest relationships in my life, especially my husband and maybe only a couple of friends who are close enough that they will say, oh, hey, like you, you need to fix this thing in you. I'm so grateful for those people, those people that have come and gone in my life that have said, you're better than that. Man, it stings at the time, but those wounds are faithful. Like they are good wounds for someone to give you. Definitely. And you go, man, but that's how you build trust. And you need those people. You need those people that will love you no matter what, but will be honest with you, will see you, will understand you. And yeah, I'm such a, I'm such a fan of having people like that in our world. We need them, especially as business owners, because you can feel really alone in it. I want to take a moment to introduce you to Naturally Gloom-Free, where lifestyle meets quality. Naturally Gloom-Free is a boutique bakery committed to crafting exceptional gloom-free products that are produced with high-quality natural ingredients and free from all additives and preservatives. When you are seeking to transform your menu or source a premium gloom-free product, 
Naturally Gluten Free invites you to connect with them via their website, naturallyglutenfree.com.au. Completely agree. So can we dive into that personal side a little bit for you? On that journey, you've mentioned a few key points, you know, one around, I mean, you're a mum of three as well. So we we need to (laughs) be able to to shout this out. (laughs) So juggling a career, entrepreneurship, business owner, you know, leader coach, mum of three, wearing multiple hats. Mm. But behind the scenes of this, there's Jem. And and Jem's had her own personal story. And in building Glee, Mm. there's definitely been those hard times, those challenging times for you. Absolutely. Look, some of the more challenging times early in our journey have definitely been around the health space. So back when we were, you know, I shared about how we were in a small venue, like a very small factory before we moved down. About a week before we were signing the lease on the new spot that we were going to move into and open our espresso bar in, my husband actually got diagnosed with cancer. And we were in this, it kind of, it set our world into absolute spin we definitely imagine that's huge news it was massive on we didn't see it coming there was nothing in the family that would indicate that there was anything wrong and then we just had this diagnosis handed to us it's that moment where you you know that when the doctor says hey this is the diagnosis you have cancer to my husband I'll never forget it it's it you know it lingers with you because that word carries so much weight and then with it, a myriad of outcomes. What's the prognosis? What, it, what kind of cancer? How are we going to deal with this? What is our life going to look like? Is he going to survive? All of those things that you don't want to be facing in your 20s when you are starting a business. But we had this opportunity come up and, I, and, and you know, we had a really a deep talk. And like I said, we're in business with his brother as well, which has been an absolute blessing to us through some of these really dark seasons where we said, do we do this? Do we press forward? Do we move into this new space? Or do we just hold off because of this diagnosis? And we all just had this deep sense in us that we're not letting, no, we're not, we're not putting going. that aside. Yeah, we're going to keep going. We've all got this. We will all fill the gaps that need to be filled. We've got family. We've got community around us. And so we press on. That was a really great decision on our part. And and if my husband had have been, no, I just really need to pull back, that would have been fine. But we just, <laughs> again, it's that, in, in hindsight, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe we just did that. <laughs> how, how did you find that level of courage to just continue on? It was, it was like we knew. That's all I can say is that we knew that we didn't want to be defined by those things. We didn't want to, even though there's a pause button, we didn't want to stop and eject the tape, if that makes sense. So we're like, if Ben has to pause for now, if I have to take breaths, if we have to figure this thing out, we will. We absolutely couldn't have done it without his brother, without our families. It would be a different story entirely. But having that network around us, it that's what gives us the courage. That's what, that's what really gave us the ability to say, hey, it's going to be okay. In that first sort of cancer year, it was really challenging and he was diagnosed and and it was like, okay, now our life becomes about trying to, yes, fit out a business, a, a roastery coffee space. 
Whilst at the same time he's going through surgery, he's having that cancer removed, we're going through treatment. And we had a very small window where we were able to maybe try for one more child. At the time we only had two. And we thought, oh, we, we're not done as a family. There's one more baby in the Gleason clan that we were waiting on. And, uh, and so we had this like, very small window to naturally fall pregnant before he started chemotherapy, which we were told would stop him from being able to have children for about five to 10 years. So we fell pregnant. It was incredible. It was wonderful. He went through his treatment. And then at around 11 weeks, I started to have a miscarriage which I had had in the past. So I had an idea of how this should go for my body, but it didn't actually complete properly. And then after about two weeks, I actually became critically ill with sepsis and was in hospital. And <laughs> this is huge. It was, and it was all within, it was all within a couple of months, this thing. So his diagnosis, his, his surgery, his treatment, our pregnancy, losing that child, and then sepsis. It was a three-month period that that all happened in. How did you, how how did you get through that time? I I would put it down to there is more in us than we can ever imagine as human beings. I really believe that there is a strength to the human spirit that there's there's places that hopefully we never have to unlock in us. But I believe that there is so much more in us than we can ever imagine, so much more capability to endure and to persevere under extreme hardship. We see this all the time all over the world, people that go through these horrific things, far worse than anything that we even faced, and they are able to be formed in that crucible. There's compassion that comes from it. There's this there's beauty even that can come from these horrific things. And there's a certain mystery to that, I believe. But really within us, we, we are able to endure. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because people do, you know, you talk about the stories or you share your own personal pain with somebody and they will say to you, I don't know how you did that. And the reality is, is that you don't have grace for something that you're not going through. But you will if you are in it. That's exactly It will be right. there for you. And and again, it's our community. It's our belief systems. It's our, our sense of knowing that, you know what, like we get one chance at this life, I believe. And so what are we going to do with it? You do not get the promise of a pain-free life. That exists for nobody. That's right. And so what do we do when that comes? How do we face it? And and it it's hard. It's it's. It is. It's extremely hard. And I think being able to take some of those heavier moments in life Mm. and create wisdom Mm. from that and evolve from that a stronger, more empathetic, caring person that, you know, it it is resilience. It is taking control of emotions and still trying to hold positivity in a world that's not going to to plan or, you know, none of this was expected for you. No. And being able to continue through and still hold true to your path and being the best version of yourself, I suppose it is looking back that you can go <laughs> – because in it, you, you definitely you're in that moment. But looking back, it probably has played mm. a significant part in the leader, the mum, everything you are today as a person. Absolutely, it has. They those moments. I really believe that those elements of our character that have, and it's not always formed that way. We don't always necessarily become better because we've gone through pain. Actually, a friend of mine in a later in one of our stories, you know, we we're going through it again, essentially. 
and Ben's cancer came back and and I was working full-time in the business actually at this point in the cafe and I said oh well at least this will forge character in me at the time and he said something that was so profound to me at the time he said no it doesn't forge character it reveals character yes these times reveal character and and then sometimes what we see will be beautiful and and what that pain reveals in us is something that we didn't even know was there something wonderful something that's just been hiding under the surface and is coming through the ground and has life and beauty and sometimes those things that we see are not beautiful they're ugly and then we have to face that as well and so if we're squeezed what comes out you know and and it isn't like there's an opportunity for character to to be formed in pain but it will not always be the case, but it will certainly reveal what's in us for better or worse. <laughs> well, honestly, I'm like my body is like just shaking. <laughs> that is really, really powerful message mm. and so inspiring yeah. to hear all about your character <laughs> in this journey. It is it's pretty significant. I think it's yeah. really going to touch the surface for a lot of people hearing that story and can't thank you enough for sharing some of that personal oh, story with us. Look, and it's part of the joy of those things, right? Because there are going to be people that are listening to your podcast that are in the thick of it right now for whatever reason. Life, you know, it does. It throws these curveballs at us. There is never an ideal time for chaos to ensue in our lives. It just, it just happens. And then where, you know, we are faced with the opportunity of how will I respond? That is something that for me has been pivotal in lit, in every area of my life is that when nothing else is inside of my control, something that is mine 100% of the time is my response. Absolutely. That is my arena. That is something no one can take from me. And so I will choose how I respond. And that sometimes takes time. It's maybe not responding immediately to that email or saying something straight back when somebody has said something to you. It might be in those little interactions, those professional ones, or it might be in the deep, dark places where you just need to say, I'm still going to be sweet. I'm still going to forgive. I'm still going to be kind, even though it is costing me far more than it would in, a, in another season of my life. But I, I, I just, I can't say enough how that just understanding that that is mine has been critical and, and something I've held on to and something that has formed me. And I continue to challenge myself in that. Your response is yours. (laughs) I I think that's actually a key point to extract out of this that, yeah, your response is yours. It very much that is talking from, you know, who who you are. People can have their judgment. They can have Mm -hmm. their perspective. They can try and you're always going to have people that are wanting to pull you down and other people that are going to want to lift you up. But how you actually yeah do have that response to Mm. those difficult situations really is sitting on your own shoulders it's a great amount of power it is it really is because I often in my other role again because of the serious nature of the work I sort of say the more that you practice those things compassion kindness forgiveness all like patience all the things where you continually carve out a neurological pathway that when this happens I do this right and it is it's brain work and it's repetitive stuff the more that you do that the more you become what you do of course right and and so if when you decide that oh and when life's hard rather than 
or somebody says something that's really cruel to me or somebody or my boss doesn't speak to me in the way that I think that they should or they have a go at me or you know in anything having that moment of like okay I respond in this way I always just take a moment and I do this that's (laughs) that's how you become what you want to be it's repetitively disciplining yourself that you will act in a certain manner no matter what happens. Now, you are never going to be perfect in that. No one ever will be. I will absolutely not be. It's a lifelong journey. It is. It is a lifelong journey. And that's liberating rather than discouraging for me because I know I'm not a finished product. I know that I I can continue to grow and I will spend the rest of my life doing that. I, I do not want to think that I'm at 41 years old, the best version of myself. Absolutely. That is so challenging for me. I'm like, oh, some people in my fields of study that I respect and listen to are in their 60s and 70s. And I think, man, I'm 30 years away from being respectable in this space. And that may or may not be true, but there is, you know, life is just this whole vat of incredible opportunities to learn. And we should never, ever stop. And certainly pain is one of the greatest teachers for sure. Yeah, no, I could not agree with you anymore. So that was a very, you know, crazy time in your life (laughs) business so much happening for you personally I do want to touch on just to let everyone know so you did have a third child we did yes and as I alluded the that wonderful third child came with another actually she was the entrance point of another season of real hardship in our business (laughs) so we were surprised and and you know we got pregnant which was all natural and such an incredible blessing we couldn't believe it we were getting our third child after the loss of the the child that we had been expecting and hoping for and then Ben had gone through his treatment and everything was fine and and we were sort of like okay let's let's try for another child sort of thing see what happens and she came along and it was wonderful and then as I was in the birthing room giving birth to her and she, everything went normally as it, as it ordinarily would. And then at the end, I had some complications, essentially, which led to a massive postpartum hemorrhage. And so I could feel the urgency in the room. There was doctors everywhere and they had the Violet had been born and I handed that handed her to Ben and they were just working on me trying to sort of keep me alive and putting forms in front of me like, hey, we might need to remove your uterus if we can't fix this in surgery and literally telling my husband say what you need to say because we're going to try and he said are you gonna is she is she gonna die and scary really scary and and they said is she he said is she gonna die and they said we're gonna do our best and they just wheeled me off and left him with a newborn baby 30 minute old newborn baby to wait to see I went straight into surgery. I had, I think it was something like five or six full blood transfusions. And they were obviously, everything was fine. They were able to save me and save everything going on. I, they've told me not to have any more children. So I've obeyed that. <laughs> they've said it's very risky. You've got for three you beautiful children three by beautiful the sound girls. of it. Three beautiful girls, yep. And so, but that moment, it was funny because we were so grateful. And again, it's that positioning yourself to respond. And you can think that. You know, it was hard, of course, for my husband, but we both were like, that, that is crazy. I'm so glad. We were so gr- glad that I was alive. He was so grateful I was alive. But in that hour or couple of hours where none of our family were there yet, because this is our third child, they're not waiting, like, you know, <laughs> call us when you're done sort of thing. He was waiting and, and holding this child and not knowing whether or not 
he was going to be raising her on his own with the other two girls. And this, he talked to me in the weeks that followed that the amount of stress, the amount of pressure that he thought he put on his own heart and on his own body just from anxiety in that moment. And he said to me quite poignantly, I really feel like I did damage to my body in that time. And we were like, it's all good. Everything's fine. He'd had a scan that had given him an all clear only a month before Violet was born. And so we, we, he went for, he essentially woke up six weeks after Violet was born and he had lower back pain. And we thought that's weird. And he thought, I've got a kidney stone. And so then over the day, the pain just progressed and progressed. And, and I ended up taking him to the hospital in searing agony. And we're just like, what is going on? And they scanned him and uh, they said, we found a six centimeter tumor mass or a mass of some kind in your lymph nodes that was essentially pressing on a nerve in his spine and causing him the pain that was absolutely not there in Before. the previous scan. Now, it, that again, absolutely it threw that, that year into a very different place. We had tests done and all of that and they weren't 100% sure and they kind of did the, we're going to watch and wait to see what's going on with this. And in the meantime, business continues as it does. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. The opportunity came up for us to move into the space at Erina Heights as a cafe. There had been a cafe there that had closed its doors. And so while we're going through this private process, newborn baby, testing, all of the stuff, we don't really know exactly what's going on. I'm trying to hold back my tears from your story. (laughs) So I can only imagine and like just want to give you the biggest hug right now, but (laughs) You, you, the thought process of still trying to be putting your best foot forward mm. with business yeah. while all this is happening just behind the, the scenes. Yeah, it's it's that I can't even I can't even really tell you what we were thinking at the time. Again, it's our network, it's our people around us and our team at Glee at Community. the time that really gives us the courage to to just keep pressing on. And we did. We had this deep sense of peace in ourselves that hard we can do hard things as I think I think Brene Brown maybe says that I can't remember who says that but we can do hard things and so we sort of we pressed on and we were doing all the testing and it was months of just not really sure exactly what was going on and then the opportunity came for Erin Heights and so we were like let's do it let's do our first proper cafe we'd had the little espresso bar that was putting us on the map in coffee certainly on the central coast and we thought let's do something for real And this was the opportunity where I actually joined the business. So I left my full-time job at this point and jumped in to work in the cafe. We had no idea if it was going to work. We had no idea what exactly was going on with Ben. That was kind of just in the background in our brains as we were just plugging away, roasting coffee, selling it, getting out in the street, trying to get people to use Glee coffee roasters and, and, and let us, you know, trust us with their coffee, so to speak. And then opening this cafe, not knowing if it would be successful. And then five weeks after we actually opened the doors of Erin Heights, we finally got the diagnosis that, yes, his cancer had returned and that he was absolutely going to be offline for quite a long time. The treatment was very rigorous. It was very hard on him. And, yeah, we nearly lost him a few times through that process just because of how hard, very successful the treatment but extremely difficult on his body. And again, I, you know, I'd kind of left my job and we had a baby. So she was about five months old when we opened. 
And it was this, when we didn't know what was happening, I would be like, I'll do the morning shift. You bring the baby to work. We'll swap. Then you do the afternoon shift at the cafe and we'll just go from there. Very small team, one other person on at the same time. When he was diagnosed, we didn't have the money to hire in that spot. I just expanded into that spot. So then my morning was six till, my day was sort of six, five, six till four, 4.30, getting out the door six days a week. That's what you do. <laughs> and we weren't open Sundays at that point, thank goodness. But again, I must say I could not have done that without Hannah, who I do the podcast with. She was working for us at the time. And Justin, who is still working for us now. And that was, they they were brilliant, brilliant in that space. And we grew pretty quickly there. The cafe became quite successful. We were able to get people on and different casuals and, and stuff like that. But I just remember thinking, it's going to be okay. Yeah. It's going to be okay. Let's just continue to do what we do. And we will cross that bridge when we get to it, yeah. was kind of how we faced it. That optimism is mm. probably, you know, at such a significant point. I mean hearing over your story the ability of what our bodies do from extreme shock and anxiety Absolutely. and all these things and stress that mm -hmm. of what that can actually cause within the body I mean I'm sure you don't have that answer but it, mm -hmm. it, it probably did play a significant part we believe it did yeah we really believe it did and potentially maybe there was I would imagine that there was dormant cancer cells in there in his body that under that amount of extreme pressure and he would say he thought he was going to have a heart attack the and his anxiety levels and cortisol all of that stuff was through the roof uh, for me it absolutely makes sense yeah. which is shocking is it not oh it's <laughs> in, like just so interesting i suppose it, yeah completely shocking but interesting in to how our bodies really just they're absorbing everything Absolutely. around us, yeah. Yes. You know, from our our feelings to the food we're putting in, what's happening in the environment, and how much change that can truly bring to our lives very, very quickly. Definitely, yeah. But on the reverse, the optimism that you both had of living life and mm. not falling trapped to any of these extreme circumstances that were happening around you, maybe some of that momentum is actually what also was the way forward of, of overcoming yeah. some of that as well. Yeah, well, I mean, having hope is really powerful, right? It's definitely it's an incredible it's an incredibly powerful emotion to to be able to believe that no matter what, I'm gonna be okay. So not I'm gonna be okay, providing things turn out the way I believe they should, but I'm gonna be okay because I have what it takes inside of me to endure. And that that's the key. It's not necessarily, well, if, if Ben lives, well, then I'll be fine. Or if I live, then he'll be fine. It's, it's fine. And it's not fine. I guess fine is probably a, a cheap word for it. But just that sense that life doesn't owe us anything. No, that's correct. It really doesn't. And, and it's a privilege that yeah. we get to live. It's a privilege that we get to raise families and have spouses and have all the wonderful things that we have. I think gratitude and hope, they play a great role in our ability Huge. to endure. Just, I mean, gratitude, how powerful is that, oh, right? Absolutely. Just being thankful for what you have, that changes everything. Literally yeah. changes everything. And so thankful for every day yes. that we have and tomorrow's a new day yeah. and if something didn't work we can give it our best shot That's again right. tomorrow but yes definitely that level of you know gratefulness and grateful for every opportunity yeah. good bad different everything in between it is definitely 
plays a part in our overall journey and you know you wouldn't change I'm sure there's some things we would want to change (laughs) and there's some things but you go no I'm grateful we actually went through it because it's given you the power of perspective for Mm. today and it's funny because like I said in hindsight I don't know entirely how we all of us that had to stretch and move and and provide and you know we have a great community around us who really just gathered and were there for that journey and how difficult it was but oh man I don't know how within me I just kept getting up every morning it wasn't always easy there were days where I thought nothing is ever going to change life is going to always be this hard it's going to always be hard and this is not a season and I'm on a treadmill and I'm getting up and I'm working too much and I'm not getting rest like absolutely I felt like that would never end and at the time that felt like the truth yeah but it wasn't that's right every hard season ends there's a new chapter that's right and every good season ends every season is a season and so being able to pull from it what you can and allow it to do the work in you that it will do if you let it for better or for worse the good stuff enjoying like living in the moment staying connected and and being like we're successful that's why you have to you have to embrace your successes you have to be able to say yes I'm good at this thing that I have forged in the fire like I'm not going to tell someone I can't do something that I can because I've earned and it has cost me to learn that skill or to be able to mentor at the level that I do that because it has come with a great personal cost and so I'm going to say yes I can do that but also I'm going to hold that loosely and I'm not going to let it define me one way or the other. Well you know your true value and the value you bring to the others around you in your community as well. We hope for that, don't we? <laughs> Most days. <laughs> Most days. Well, honestly, I, yeah, thank you for sharing some of your story and, and continuing on from, from some of that, just to get a, a little bit more, you have also launched your own podcast. You're yes. still studying. Yes. What is life this is like huge. a, life is huge. <laughs> and I can tell that you're so inspired by becoming not only the best version of yourself, but learning everything about leadership so that mm. you can share that with others as well. Yeah, there's so much to know, isn't there? And in this day and age, we've got access to some of the most incredible leaders in the world. Like you can follow them on Instagram, you can follow them on LinkedIn, like, and there's not really no excuse. So I love studying because I'm a bit of a geek and I and so I really just enjoy and get a kick out of that however like there's so much accessible to us if we don't have the time for that now I would love to say that it sounds like I'm able to do lots of things sometimes I'm doing those things not well sometimes I'm juggling way too many balls sometimes you know it is a struggle to be like, oh, okay, I've got a you know 3,000 word essay due that I have not started and it's due in three days and how am I going to do it? So there's that hustle. There's all of that stuff. But just knowing that, yeah, you just got to, you just got to get in. If you finish what you start, like if that builds resilience in you, I have been working on my degree for 10 years. And when I started, I knew that it would take 10 years to do that. And that didn't, I, I remember thinking, actually put it off for probably two years thinking, oh, it's going to take too long. And one of those people, someone posted, you know, one of those kitschy Instagram quotes and it changed my life, like absolutely changed my life. And it was, don't put off doing something that because of the time it will take to complete it, because the time will pass anyway. And it changed me. I immediately, I was like, I'm not going to put off study just because it's going to take 10 years because 10 years will go anyway. God willing, I'll get 10 more years and I'll finish it. 
And so I will actually finish in June. I'm on my final subjects now. Yay. And That's uh, one for a big celebration. I cannot wait. <laughs> I will be having a nice glass of wine. Uh, <laughs> An expensive Pinot Noir at the end of that. <laughs> Ten year journey. Uh, I think out of all of that is really we are so focused on the day-to-day, but mm. having always that one step in the future is really critical yeah and that's not whether it's study whether it's financial whether it's you know your career doing the best you can with today with what is happening in front of you and that go 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 and that treadmill but investing in yourself for where you actually want to be that 5 10 15 years from now is absolutely critical it is yeah, and it's and again, I think it can be a bit of a woman's space. And correct me if I'm wrong, but we always put ourselves last. We're like, well, why should I do this for me? Or why should you know? And no, it's just that sense of just grab on, have a go at it. There's been times over this ten years where because life has been too much, it's been too hectic that I have deferred for a year and not done any subjects. And so, but just that sense that you just keep going. It's only one step at a time. You don't have to. Like before you know it, you've traveled 20 kilometers just by taking one step at a time. So it's not about thinking in the 20 kilometers term and going, oh my gosh, how am I going to do that? It's, it's breaking the, it down. Yeah, it's just the next step. Yeah. Just do the one more step and keep doing that one more step as long as you can. And if you need a break, for goodness sake, be kind to yourself and take a break. That's right. And celebrate the wins along yes. the way, not just at the end. It's the Absolutely. Those milestone yes. moments that yes. happen along that journey that are so fulfilling. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, take the time to take the time to be, oh wow, this is good. I'm gonna enjoy this good moment. Absolutely. Yeah. And so from a mindset perspective, because mm-hmm. it has been a crazy couple of decades for you. <laughs> yes. What does Jem do for herself? Like that alarm clock goes off in the morning and it's another day. And, you know, what is it that you're actually doing for yourself so that you can build that resilience, so that you can have that healthy mindset? Mm. Yeah, it's a really great question and a really important one. There's a few things that I do that give me that sense of refilling my tank, so to speak. Part of that is spending time with my husband. He's my best friend. We try and really fight for that and spend a lot of time together. Even though we work together, we do really try and just value one another in that space. Love that. Friendships. And again, this has been a struggle for me over the years because I get too busy and too distracted. And so... But having a couple of people where I just, you know, take time for me and them and we can go have a wine or we can have dinner, we can talk. For what, for my own just alone time, I love to – I have loved over the years getting into my garden and doing a bit of gardening. I have neglected my garden the last 12 months. It's very sad right now. But that has given me a real sense of, oh, just – again, it's the slowing down. There's like this – the thing I love about being out in nature in that sense is that there is parts of the job that I can do and there is parts that I absolutely can't do. I cannot make something grow. I cannot create a tomato on site, but I can prepare soil and I can partner with that whole mysterious creative process and play my role in it. And there's something really, it's just liberating about that, of being like, I can only do what I can do. That's kept me really grounded over the years where I've been like, and season in, season out. 
That's another thing, you know, being in my garden has reminded me that you can't bear fruit year round. (laughs) And you're planting the seeds for the future. That's right. You plant now to sow later. You cultivate in season. You take winter, embrace winter. That's something that in our society, again, you know, there's this sense that we have to constantly be flourishing. We have to constantly be in flower or in fruit. That's unreasonable. Nothing in creation behaves in that manner. Nothing. Everything has a season of dormancy. And so how do we approach our seasons of dormancy? So the garden really taught me that because there's times where I'm like, well, the soil just needs to rest. And that's okay. Rest soil because in spring I want cucumbers. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, absolutely. Like, so there's that. And I'm also a bit of a painter too. So I I, I love to paint artistically. I did hear this on one of your podcasts. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you do like to paint. So you do you paint the artwork around your home? Do you give it away? What do you do with all this? I tend to. Unfortunately, unlike other things in my life, I start it and then I go, this is going to be great. And then I become discouraged and I don't (laughs) finish it. Any artist, if you've got artists listening, they will tell you there is an ugly stage of every painting and you have to push through the ugly stage. And I often get really discouraged in the ugly stage of a painting and I don't finish it. So I've got quite a few unfinished pieces just lying around where I'm like, it's not good enough and, and critiquing it. But that's more lack of skill, I think, on my part that I haven't, I haven't, I would love to do like a proper art class and really hone some of those techniques rather. I've got a few inbuilt artistic things that are in me. So I'm like, I can do that. And then I try and it doesn't necessarily work and I get discouraged and I stop. So I want to see these artworks. They sound important. <laughs> I Around our household, I've got a, a bit of a thing of I've always worked with creative people, especially mm-hmm. in the retail landscape, a lot of visual merchandisers. I've had one visual merchandiser actually paint or she, she drew my children and they're just oh, wow. absolutely phenomenal. And then another one that I worked with back in the Sea Folly days and I've got back in contact as I was at Afterpay and I, you know, was looking for, you know, COVID hit and the artwork behind my my back as I was sitting in my mm. office every single day, and she actually drew them for me. Oh, and so beautiful. I definitely going to take you up on. I want to have a look at your oh artwork. You know, I love, and, I love art, especially one-off pieces, like especially yes. originals. I've got an incredible story, and you might, if you cut it later, that's fine. But <laughs> I actually was at an op shop maybe four months ago. And I found an oil painting of like an Australiana kind of vibe, which I love that stuff. I love Australian Beautiful. landscape. And it was this oil painting. I thought, what is this doing here? What is this incredible piece of art doing here? It was $50 and I was like, I'm taking it. It's going on my wall. It just gave me that sense of, wow, this is beautiful. Anyway, I saw the artist's name written at the bottom. And I thought, I wonder who this person is. So I Googled it, of course, and I found, actually found his daughter is an artist and she, you know, she, she does a bit of art and stuff like that, but he'd actually passed away in March, just gone. And so I didn't really know her, but I sent her a photo of it because I put it on my wall and I absolutely love this piece. And so I sent her a photo on Instagram, just direct messaged her and said, hi, I found this piece of art you know, at, a, at an op shop and I believe this per- the artist may be your father. I saw he passed away and I just want to say that I'm going to think of him when I walk through my home that, you know, this is really beautiful. And, and she, beautiful. Yeah, she said that his art and his music, he was a musician as well, she wrote back and she said, oh, look, that he had Alzheimer's. He actually died of Alzheimer's dementia. And she said that that really just kept him with them 
as long as possible was his art and his creativity. And so for me, I have this piece of art in my home that is priceless as far as I'm concerned and is stunning and beautiful. But just that, again, it's that opportunity for human connection where, you know, I now message her and, you know, if I she's writing a memoir about him, how's the memoir going? Like I just check in and because... The power man, of connection. That's what life's about, right? It like, is. Gosh, it's so easy to be kind. It's so simple. Yeah, so anyway, I love it. It's just stunning and, yeah, it's going to be with me forever, that painting. Oh, and... It- something that you you know least expect going into an op shop and finding something that is just so beautiful (laughs) (laughs) and has a great story to tell I think the storytelling is a huge part of all of that as well yeah for all of us no well thank you so much it has been incredibly inspirational to to really (laughs) dive into your story today and the one question I do want to ask just to close this off is you know do you have a few short words of wisdom that you'd like to pass on to the aspiring leaders founders of tomorrow because really looking at sharing what is those invaluable lessons that you have gained Mm. that will help them grow yeah I, I absolutely love young leaders one of the greatest things I think that we can do for ourselves is is find our confidence and to be the kind of leader that makes space for others. So in order to do that, you have to be secure. You have to be comfortable with your faults, with your strengths, your weakness, all of that stuff, and understand that you have a unique value to add, no matter, and it's not age specific. You can be extremely young, you can be older, it doesn't matter but understanding that you occupy a space that no one else can occupy. And so to minimize yourself is to do an injustice to the world that you live in that needs you to fully occupy the space that you should be occupying. So I would say do not be the kind of person that pulls back, that says, no, that's not for me. If an opportunity comes, be brave and go for it and be the person that creates room for others is so important some of the best leaders in my life uh, and the leader I aspire to be is somebody that makes room for other people to be their best version of themselves. I want to be shoulders that someone can stand on. If they are better than me at what I do, brilliant. That just means I've done a great job and that they have learned. And, you know, I never want to be the cap of somebody else's potential. That is a nightmare to me. That is my greatest fear. And so if you're a leader out there and you're listening to this, know, just know your value, know that, know your space, get better at your skills, strengthen, let life teach you and then make room for others. That's the best advice I can give really. So, so powerful. Well, thank you, Jem, as I said, for sharing your incredible journey, insights and in enthusiasm uh, that you bring to everything that you do especially considering some of the hardships that you've had in that story as well and it you really are inspiring and uh, your power of resilience dedication and unwavering passion is just oh, as I said like <laughs> touch my heart like I, I I truly see that you are giving life everything you possibly can and your ability to navigate diverse roles upholding exceptional standards in leadership and mentoring are, are just truly commendable so thank you for sharing and coming on leadership oddities it's been an absolute pleasure having you thank you it's been such a privilege to be here I really appreciate you Thank you for joining us on this incredible odyssey. Until next time, 
Lead with courage, lead with heart, and keep exploring the remarkable world of leadership. Enjoyed the journey? Hit the subscribe button, rate us, and leave a review if our stories ignited your leadership spirit. Your feedback fuels our odyssey.